Welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friends. I'm Marcy Farrell from thankfulhomemaker.com, and it's good to be with you today to talk about a topic that I have been so thankful to get to spend time digging into, and it's the spiritual discipline of prayer. So if you've been here for a bit, you know we've been working through a series on the spiritual disciplines. And I want to remind you, if you're just joining in, each episode can stand on its own. But if you get time, I'd obviously love you to go back and listen to ones you haven't been able to get to yet. I'm making this a bit easier to work into your schedule since I'm only podcasting twice a month every other week on the second and fourth Tuesdays of the month. So today, we're going to discuss the spiritual discipline of prayer. And simply, prayer is talking to God. As believers, those of us who have repented of our sins and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, we can communicate with the Creator, God. He's our Father, and we are His children. John 1.12 tells us, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. God hears the prayers of His children. He has loved us with an everlasting love, and He showered us with His abundant grace, and He's always there to hear our requests and petitions and praises. We have an intimate relationship with the Lord, and we should desire to communicate and worship and seek His face. Just as an earthly father cares about the requests of his children, even more so, our perfect Heavenly Father hears and cares about all of our requests and petitions. Prayer reminds us that we're dependent on God for every aspect of our lives, and it should cause us to humbly come before Him with an attitude of humility. We're in a relationship with the Lord, and we grow in that relationship by being in communication with Him. So prayer doesn't mean that we're going to have perfect days without trials and suffering or difficulties. We're reminded in John 16, that in this world we will have tribulation, Prayer is not demanding, but we're coming before the Lord with open hands to to what He knows is best for us. Donald Whitney reminds us in regards to the spiritual disciplines that prayer is second only to Bible intake in order of importance. So we know, excuse me, we know we have the ear of our Heavenly Father. We know prayer is important. We know the scriptures tell us we are to do it, but why don't we do it? We may pray a sentence or two to God here and there throughout our days, but statistics have shown that most Christians don't spend much time in sustained prayer. A big part of our sanctification is being worked in and through our prayer time with the Lord. Donald Whitney states, he says, we must come to grips with the fact that to be like Jesus, we must pray, end quote there. So we are expected to pray. And just a few quick examples here. We're told in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5, 6, and 7, when you pray, in quotes, I'm putting when, 
Colossians 4.2 tells us to continue steadfastly in prayer, and 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing. Talking to God should be on our minds throughout our day. In Christ, we are in constant fellowship and relationship with the Father. Donald Whitney comments on 1 Thessalonians 5.17. He says, You might think of praying without ceasing as communicating with God on one line while also taking calls on another. Even while you are talking on the other line, you never lose your awareness of the need to return your attention to the Lord. So praying without ceasing means you never really stop conversing with God. You simply have frequent interruptions. I really like that. Martin Luther stated, As it is the business of tailors to make clothes and of cobblers to mend shoes, so it is the business of Christians to pray. Okay, so we know we need to pray because we see Jesus modeling the importance of prayer in his life. Luke 5.16 tells us he, Jesus there, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. He prayed with others, that's Luke 9.28. He prayed for others, Matthew 19.13. He prayed often and regularly, Luke 5.16. His prayers were based on the truth of God's word, John 4.24 and John 8.32. He prayed knowing God would answer prayer according to his will, according to God's will, Matthew 26, 39. And he taught us to be persistent in prayer and never give up in Luke 18, 1. When we think of Jesus and the example he gave us to pray, the first scriptures that come to mind are from the Sermon on the Mount, when the disciples asked him to teach them to pray. And let me just read these verses here in Matthew. So I'm going to Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 14. Obviously, if you're sitting and you have your Bible or a Bible app handy, I'd love you to follow along. I'm reading from the ESV here. Um, So Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 14. And when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words." Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. All right, so let's work through the Lord's Prayer little by little, because this is the best way I know how to talk about prayer is by working through how Jesus taught us to pray. This is by no way exhaustive. (laughs) We don't have that kind of time today to do that. But I'm going to um, just kind of take a quick walkthrough, and I hope it'll give you a desire to study these scriptures, and I will have some recommended resources to study the Lord's Prayer in the show notes if you're not sure where to begin. So verse 5 states, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. 
Okay, so first off here, the verse starts with when you pray, not if you pray. So Jesus assumes we are praying. We're not to be like the hypocrites who pray to be seen. A hypocrite is someone who puts on a mask towards others and pretends to be something they're not. The message here um, is that it is the heart of the person praying. It is either to please God or to please men. And it all comes down to our motives. The verse tells us that they have received their reward. It is temporary, earthly, praise from men. Our desire when we pray should be that God receives the glory, that his name is honored. So verse 6 says, but when you pray, there's that one again, right? But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So this verse, it's, it doesn't forbid public prayer. And we'll get into that in a moment because there is a time and a place for it and it's good, but it does imply we need to be alone with the Lord. And this should be much more frequent than our public prayer time. This is a time when you can be alone with God. It's a great privilege we have as his children, and it's a delight, not a duty. Charles Spurgeon says on this verse, get into some quiet nook, some secret place, no matter where, shut thy door so that nobody can hear you, not wishing anybody to know even that you are at prayer, end quote. I am so reminded that we can only come to God because of what Jesus did for us. He is the mediator between a holy God and a sinful man. And I want to share these verses from Hebrews because these are really impactful. Just just a reminder as we're talking about prayer and coming before God. So Hebrews chapter 10, I'm starting in verse 19. I'm going to read through, through 25. Therefore, our brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So our guilt has been removed by the blood of Christ, and we are no longer under the old covenant, when the only access they had to God was through the high priest." And he went behind the veil of the temple or the tabernacle only once a year. This had to be done over and over again. The blood of animal sacrifices could not take away the sin or pay for the debt. It was a temporary atonement. But because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, we now have permanent access to God. Jesus is our great high priest. We can come before him anytime. Verse Verses 7 and 8, moving forward on the Lord's Prayer here. And I say the Lord's Prayer. I am really, I always want to say it's the Lord's pattern to teach us how to pray. But so verses 7 and 8 there in Matthew chapter 6 say, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So does our praying bring us and others into the presence of God, or are we just trying to impress others? 
maybe even trying to impress God, but using big theological words or repetitive words. Charles Spurgeon said, Much prayer is to be highly commended for its reverence, but it has in it a lack of childlike confidence. I can admire the solemn and stately language of worship that recognizes the greatness of God, but it will not warm my heart nor express my soul until it has also blended with the joyful nearness of that perfect love that drives out fear and ventures to speak with our Father in heaven as a child speaks with its father on earth, end quote there. Also really like this example from a sermon by Ray Pritchard. It was titled, If God is Sovereign, Why Pray? And he said here, he said, picture a father watching his four-year-old daughter trying to put together a puzzle. She tries and tries, but she just can't get the pieces in the right place. Her father watches with great interest, but he doesn't interfere. Finally, she comes over and crawls in his lap and says, Daddy, would you help me put my puzzle together? He smiles and bends down, and together they begin to pick up each piece. One by one, they put the puzzle together. Now, why didn't the father help his daughter earlier? For one thing, she didn't ask for his help. For another, he wanted her to try on her own, and most of all, he wanted her to ask him for his help. When she did, he was honored and gladly helped her finish the puzzle. Is this not a picture of how our Heavenly Father deals with his children? Although he longs to come to our aid, often he waits until we specifically ask him. Sometimes he wants us to come to the end of our own pitiful resources before he intervenes. When we cry out in despair, he's honored as we express our complete dependence upon him. Every prayer is a cry of a child saying, Help, Father, I can't do this by myself. End quote there. God knows what we need, but he encourages us to come to him and to ask him. And then verse 9 in Matthew 6 begins, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Okay, first off, again, we call this the Lord's Prayer, but Jesus didn't actually pray this. He's given it to the disciples and us as a model of how citizens of the kingdom should pray. It wasn't meant to be recited repetitively, but again, as a guide, it, it is still a great series of verses here to memorize to help guide you in your prayer time with the Lord. The fatherhood of God is the foundation of this prayer, and as his children, we are to seek him. There is such tenderness when we think of the word father. I didn't grow up knowing my real father, but as I came to Christ and understood and grasped that God was my father and he was perfect and he would never leave me or forsake me and he loved me and was kind and tenderhearted towards me, it gave me that touch of a father that I didn't have. God provided that for me through my faith in Christ. As we continue on in verse 9 and we come to hallowed be your name, it reminds us that God is holy. He's set apart. He is unlike no other. We hold his name in reverence and high honor to exalt him for who he is. Our Father is in heaven. He is holy. And yet as his children, we can intimately come to him as we would an earthly father. He is always with us and available to pray at any moment of the day. And verse 10 tells us, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So who God is, 
and His kingdom and His will should be the priority of our prayers and really our lives as Christians. Alan Redpath said, and I grabbed this quote, I don't know who he is, but I have a site I love. It's called preceptaustin.org, I think it is. I'll link it in the show notes. But he said on this particular verse, before we can pray, thy kingdom come, we must be willing to pray, my kingdom go. So we're praying here for the final establishment of God's kingdom, for our will to be conformed to his and for our lives to point others to the Lord. Then we come to verse 11, Matthew 6, 11, give us this day our daily bread. This is simply praying to the Lord to provide for our needs. I love the us in here. So it's not just for me, but interceding for God to meet the needs of others in my life too. I know that we know God knows our needs, but again, the reminder that we are fully dependent on him for our daily provisions and our spiritual and our physical needs too. After you read this verse, this Matthew 6, 11, make a note somewhere, either mentally or scribble it down to, to take some time to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. And I'll link to those in the show notes too. I just think those are great verses to read as you're following through the context here in Matthew chapter 6. So I want to jump ahead to verse 13 in Matthew 6, and then we're going to come back to verses 12 and 14. I'm going to do those together. So Matthew 6, 13 says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. J.R. Miller states on this verse, he says, we put our hands into God's in the morning and we ask him to lead us through the day. We know not what experiences may come to us, and we ask him not to bring us into sore testings. The prayer is a request that in doing the doing of God's will for the day, we may not be brought into places where it will be hard for us to be faithful. And J.C. Ryle says about this verse, he says, We are taught to ask God to deliver us from the evil that is in the world, the evil that is within our own hearts, and not least from the evil one, the devil. We confess that so long as we are in the body, we are constantly seeing, hearing, and feeling the presence of evil. It is about us, it is within us, and around us on every side. We entreat him who alone can preserve us to be continually delivering us from its power. End quote there. So we acknowledge our weakness. We ask the Lord's intervention in moments of trial and temptation so the way of escape is clear to us and he delivers us onto that path. Then we have verses 12 and 14 here. So verse 12 says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And verse 14 says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. So forgiveness is a bit down here on this list in this model of prayer. First, we see the Lord in heaven and his goodness. We pray to seek his will. We seek his provision for our needs. We seek to be delivered from trial, from really from trials, temptations. So we see how great he is and how much we've been forgiven and loved by him in salvation. How can we not forgive and show love to others then? We must deal with our sin. And sometimes this is the place we need to start with the sin of unforgiveness in our hearts. This is one that affects so much, ladies. How many times when we leave it fester and not deal with it, does it quickly turn into bitterness? 
This affects not only our relationship with that person that we're harboring unforgiveness towards, but it directly affects our relationship with the Lord. We need to come before him and confess all and let him know how you've been hurt. Express your feelings openly to him. He knows them, but now seek his help in showing forgiveness as you have been shown forgiveness. We've been forgiven much. We can forgive much. With the spirit of Christ at work in our hearts, he gives us the desire and the power to forgive. I have a whole podcast on this I'll link to in the show notes too. It's been stated that Matthew 6, 12 really reads something like this. Oh God, deal with me as I deal with other people. Deal with me as I have dealt with others. So when we choose not to forgive, we forfeit our intimacy and sweet fellowship with the Lord. The problem we have is we are not seeing ourselves as great sinners. We are not, and we are not appreciating how much we've been forgiven. Okay, I know this was a lot to go through, and I hope that you'll get some time to spend working through the Lord's model for prayer on your own. So I want to get to the practical side of praying. It's great to read about prayer and to study it and to learn more about it, but it's not much help if we don't do it. I have been too guilty of this, wanting to get a better handle on my prayer life, on how to organize it and work through it that so much time was spent on reading or thinking about prayer instead of actually praying. So simply, a simple way to get started here is to use your Bible as a prayer guide. You don't need any prayer guide necessarily. You can just pray, but I'm just going to start here. So I love praying through God's word because in it, God speaks to me. His will is clearly laid out for me. His word convicts me of sin. It writes my wrong thinking. It puts me on the path to life. It brings about needs of others as I'm praying. It takes the focus off myself. The scriptures teach me how to worship and praise God. I love the Psalms to pray, but the epistles are good places to go to because they are so applicable to our lives. Let me read a quote here from George Whitfield on praying the scriptures. He says, My mind being now more open and enlarged, I began to read the Holy Scriptures upon my knees, laying aside all other books and praying over, if possible, every line and word. This proved meat indeed and drink indeed to my soul. I received fresh life, light, and power from above. I got more true knowledge from reading the book of God in one month than I could ever have acquired from all the writings of men. One book that has been helpful for me in praying God's word is Donald Whitney's Praying the Psalms. <coughs> Excuse me, you don't need his book to do this, but it's a quick and very helpful read. The Psalms are also a really good starting place because they're inspired prayers and songs to the Lord. They're there to help us worship him, and we have 150 of them as a learning tool available to us. So we have, think that through, we have 150 Psalms. Sorry, this is just pondering here off the script a little. 30 days to a month, give or take a day there, right? <clears throat> so that gives us five Psalms to choose a day to pray through. Okay, so let's look at an example here. This podcast is coming out on the 23rd of the month. So you can pray through Psalm 23. 53, I'm just adding 30 here, right? 23, 53, 83, 113, or 143. You can choose one, two, or all five, depending on your time. 
Simply read the psalm one line at a time and pray what comes to mind. The element of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 are on my mind here when I pray already, right? I'm already thinking God's name is honored. I'm I'm thinking through that. So as an example for Psalm 23, it might sound something like this. We read in the first verse there, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We may pray, Lord, thank you that you are my shepherd. You're a good shepherd. Thank you for bringing me into your fold. Please, Lord, help me to shepherd my family well. Lord, be the shepherd of my family. Bring those into the fold that are not yet. Cause them to repent and believe and come to know you as their shepherd. Thank you, Lord, for providing all that I need. And then we maybe continue on. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Lord, you're always with me, even in the difficult seasons. Help me to rest in you and your sovereign will over all things in my life. I'm so reminded, Lord, that true peace and rest are only found in you. So that's just a quick example of what it might look like. And please don't overthink this. But again, it is the heart and motives as we come before the Lord that matter. Not our eloquent words or our most excellent theology. Listen, our theology is important. I'm never saying that. But if it's causing us to come before him with a prideful heart, it's of no value. If there's a scripture you're praying and maybe you're not sure of the understanding, don't let that interrupt your prayer time. Maybe make a note of it and come back to it during a time of study. Our time in prayer is a time to turn our hearts to Godward, our thoughts, and then in worshipful prayer as we're praying through his word. Don't worry about whether you get through the whole psalm or if you're choosing other scripture passages to pray through. Just pray realistically until you run out of time and you need to stop. The whole point is to connect with the Lord, not how much scripture you can get through. As I move on to this part, I want to share a tool that I use to organize my prayer life. And it's going to surprise you because I'm usually such a pen and paper gal, but I do keep a paper prayer journal still. Actually kind of have a binder I put together, but my main source I use is an app called PrayerMate, um, P-R-A-Y-E-R-M-A-T-E, PrayerMate app, and I'll obviously link to that. I came across it um, several years ago through Tim Challey's blog, and now I have my husband hooked on it. Um, I really love it because we can share prayer requests, so we're praying the same things in those times that we're not able to pray together. And actually, since I've been putting this podcast together, my PrayerMate app is getting a little cluttered, and I need to do a little revamping and reorganizing. Um, so we're going to be traveling together. Someone we talked about doing that together. So I'm looking forward to doing that with him. But prayer makes works with the schedule that you set up for it. So for me, I'm continually praying things like for myself, certain scriptures, areas of my weakness and struggles or areas I need to grow and continue to grow in my sanctification. I pray for my family, my immediate, and then my um, my outward kind of family, my church family, my neighbors and friends, missionaries. I have a separate list for unsafe family and friends, my pastors and elders. I have scripture prayers and various other areas that I choose. So I'm able to set on there the frequency and the days. It's easy to add requests. And since the app is both on my phone and my tablet, and my app is set up into different categories, and I believe PrayerMate calls them lists. And I'll share a link that Tim Challies has on setting up the PrayerMate app too. It's a good basic structure that he lays out. But for me, I start with the category lists of the gospel and adoration. 
Then I move on to confession and then thanksgiving and then supplication. I have each of my family members in their own category with five to 10 scripture prayers kind of listed below each one. And there's categories there from my church family, my elders, pastors, missionaries, and areas to just pray through the scriptures in various places. Um, The Primate app also has different prayer feeds you can subscribe subscribe through from sites like even Desiring God and Ligonier that are, are some other great things to add to your prayer time. Valley of Vision isn't on there yet, but I know they wanted to get that. I'm praying that that will happen because that would be just lovely to have that. But they even have how we talked about praying the Psalms. Donald Whitney's is on there. So you can have it come up with a Psalm each day to pray that corresponds with the day of the month. Um, I like the variety it gives me, so I'm not praying the same things every day. I don't ever feel like I'm in a rut. It's basically based off um, the index card system where you'd had an index card box with category dividers with prayers written on them, and I, you know, maybe you cycled them through a certain way, and that's really what you're doing. So for me, I just find that I pray more. I'm praying for things I know I should be praying for that I might forget or miss otherwise. I like that it keeps me really focused on the scriptures in my prayer time. There is a cost for the app, and I feel bad. I don't honestly know what that is, but I know for me it was well worth it. So when someone has a prayer request, I can instantly add it to the category it belongs in, but I also keep a category labeled special request too on there. I can see how long I've been praying for various situations or people and how frequently. So before the PrayerMate app, I utilized just mainly my paper journal, or um, I have a prayer binder that I put together, and I had it separated into days of the week. I liked a binder because I had little folder things in it, and I had a smaller one. It was, I want to say it's like, it's five and a five and a half by eight and a half, maybe. It's like a half-size binder that I have put together, but I had little pockets and things for it, so I'm able to keep different prayer cards or... Um, bookmarks. I know I had some of the printouts from Revive Our Hearts, some of her prayer things, and I'm blanking on the side where I get these really nice little prayer cards to pray for your pastor, pray for lost loved ones. There's a site, and when I figure that out, I'll put that in the show notes too for you. Um, Always again, if I forget and I said that and you're looking for it and you can't find it, just shoot me a note because that will jot my memory. Um, So I, in my prayer binder journal, I have my daily prayer list which is my immediate family and my needs. And then and that's a, a daily things that I pray for. And then each day of the week, I prayed for different areas. My prayer binder still sits up in my prayer closet, or that would be also known as my guest bedroom right now. <laughs> um, it just, I love it. I also have my other prayer books and a Bible there, like one of my journaling Bibles. So when I get extended periods of time to pray, I like to sit up there and still use that, my you know physical prayer journal. There's also just times I cry out to the Lord during the day or in my prayer time, and I don't utilize a system or journal or anything because we have a Heavenly Father that's always available. So as I'm saying this, don't wait until you set something up before you start praying. Just pray. And if you feel the need to put together a more structured system, then do it. But it's not necessary. I don't want to lay that on you here if you're thinking that. I'm just giving some ideas if you're in a place that you're ready to do something a little different. For me personally, I like to have a system set up to help me pray for specific needs in my life and my family's life and the lives of others. Plus, I am super forgetful. So it helps me to have reminders on how to be praying for others and for who to be praying for. But after just 
rambling on and stating all that, if you're looking for prayer journal setup ideas, there are tons online you can find. I simply had mine set up this way. So I talked about that daily. I had my immediate family, myself, and any specific special needs from friends or others that I was currently praying for. And then on Monday, I had listed for marriage for mine and friends and family and church family. Tuesday, I had um, unsaved family and friends. Wednesday, I had my husband, our, our family business, my blog. I would have on there also needs from friends of the blog, um, things that maybe you guys have emailed me or special requests or things from our Thankful Homemaker group. That's usually where I'm praying those. Um, and personal ministries we're involved in. Thursday, it's praying for close friends and their needs. Friday, um, special requests. Saturday, it was missionaries and then the government and our, our leaders. And then Sunday, elders, pastors, my church family. So when I get time to sit for other periods during the day to pray, or when I have more time in the morning, I have some books that I do love to use as a prayer guide. And a lot of these I've used to help me set up my prayer made app and my prayer journal. So the Valley of Vision book of Puritan prayers is a favorite. I just think that is a great one to pick up and just pray through. Nancy Guthrie has a one year praying for your children book. It, it, the book particularly corresponds with the one year Bible reading plan. And that's not the Bible reading plan I use, but I use the book on its own. It just has a different prayer every day for your children based through um, the scriptures. And I really have been blessed by that. That has been good. Andrew Case, his last name is C-A-S-E. He has several excellent books on praying the scriptures. He has ones for your spouse. He has um, in that there's a, one for the husband and one for the wives. He has on praying for our children, and he has one on interceding for others too. And those are all great resources. Um, several years ago, we visited R.C. Sproul's church in Orlando, and I picked up a favorite book on praying the attributes of God there that I'd never seen before. I heard the author was Rosemary Jensen, but that's another good one. And I'll link to all those books in the show notes for you too, if you didn't get to jot those down. Um, also simply, you can keep a simple prayer journal just utilizing the ACTS method of prayer. Um, this is a time-tested way to pray. It's been a long way, I mean, around for quite a long time. So spelling out ACTS, A-C-T-S, A is for adoration, C is for confession, T is for thanksgiving, and S is for supplication. I'm getting close to the end here, guys, so hang with me. I know this was a little longer today. So your prayer life is probably going to change over the various seasons of your life. I'm an empty nester now, so I have much more time to pray in the early mornings than I did when my kids were home. And actually, I get a little glimpse of what maybe some of your lives look like with littles when I have my grandbabies over for a sleepover. So I can, my mornings are not the same when they're here. Things are quite a bit shorter, and I have to get up quite a bit earlier because they're pretty early risers, one of them in particular. My little Livy Grace Sweetie Pie face. <laughs> she's she's my early riser when she's here. But I love it because actually the other morning, um, I had them here for an overnight and Livy got up early, little Miss Olivia, and she sat with me and she did my Bible reading with me and she helped me work through my memory verses. We sat together and then we prayed together. And that was a sweet time for her and me both to get to do that. So don't feel like your children, they are not an interruption. What an what an opportunity God gives you in that moment 
to share your love for him and your relationship with him and that he is a God that you can seek at any time and with each other. I really love that. That was a special time for me and for her, I believe. So the other thing is I don't always use my prayer mate app. Sometimes I just like the transition um, of beginning my prayer time with what I've been meditating on in God's word. Uh, I'll start with adoration. I'll move into confessing my sins. One way I do that confessing my sins that helps me is thinking through the 10 commandments that's just a great way for me to bring things to mind that maybe i'm not thinking about um then i turn that to gratitude and then finally close with supplication we only grow in our prayer life by praying right we're not going to grow by reading books about it or listening to sermons on prayer or listening to this podcast on prayer if you've not listened to the episode on meditating on god's word Go back and take a listen when you have a moment. Donald Whitney had a helpful statement on how meditation is the missing link between Bible intake and prayer. He says the two are often disjointed, but they should be united. So meditation on the scriptures, meditating on God's word is an important spiritual discipline. That is, it's like the link between Bible reading and prayer. So he states on the process of biblical meditation, he says the process works like this. After the input of a passage of scripture, meditation allows us to take what God has said and think deeply on it, digest it, and then speak to God about it in meaningful prayer. As a result, we pray about what we've encountered in the Bible, now personalized through meditation, and not only do we have something substantial to say in prayer, as well as the confidence that we are praying God's thoughts to him, but we transition smoothly into prayer and with more passion for what we're praying about, end quote there. So as I start again, bringing this to a close, just a few more thoughts to help us as we desire to grow in our prayer lives. God hears and answers our prayers. Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8 tells us to ask, seek, and knock, all right? To ask, we need to come before him in humility and aware of our needs as we seek, It means we pursue him, desiring to seek his will. And as we knock, we persevere in prayer, knowing that he will provide what is best for us. The tense of each of those three words in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 8, ask, seek, and knock, are an ongoing action. So keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. We realize our needs and our weaknesses and seek the only one who can help. It shows our utter dependence on the Lord. The Lord sees our needs, but even more than we do, and he is continually active in our lives to fulfill them. But our primary need that he is fulfilling is our need to be like Christ. And as we stated at the very beginning of the podcast, prayer makes us more Christ-like. So, my dear friends, to be more like Christ, we need to be women who are disciplined in our prayer lives. You don't need a fancy journal or an app. You need nothing more than your Bible and a heart that desires to ask, seek, and knock. Will you begin today to pray without ceasing and acknowledging your dependence on the Lord? Our prayer lives are one of the spiritual disciplines because it takes discipline to pursue it. We can become so distracted and put so many other responsibilities and items on our to-do list before this important discipline. So today, ponder and pray what your prayer time will look like and really just start. 
open to the Psalms, open to Psalm 23 today and pray through it if you don't know where to begin. Because of the grace we've been given in the gospel, we can come before the Lord at any time. I want to give you a couple closing quotes here. Donald Whitney says, prayerful people become godly people for prayerfulness with God cultivates godliness in all of life. And J.C. Ryle says, what is the reason that some believers are so much brighter and holier than others? I believe the difference in 19 cases out of our 20 arises from different habits about private prayer. I believe that those who are not eminently holy pray little, and those who are eminently holy pray much. So ladies, let's be those women who pray much. Jesus is enough always. Thank you bunches for your time today. And this series has lots of resources listed in the show notes. So please check them out at the blog at thankfulhomemaker.com. And my resource this week to share with you is a really good one that I think every believer should watch. It's the documentary or really movie, American Gospel in Christ Alone. And from the website on this particular movie, it says, does Christianity mean Christ plus the American dream? The American gospel examines how the prosperity gospel, the word of faith movement, has distorted the gospel message and how this theology is being exported abroad. This feature-length film is the first in a series. And Tim Challies, who reviewed the film, said, he said, the great strength of the film is that it's not only a negative examination of the word of faith movement, but also a very positive and helpful examination of biblical truth. Those who watch it will not only be convinced that the prosperity gospel is evil, but they will also know exactly why it is so evil. Even better, they will hear the true and saving gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection. They will be equipped to resist and refute what is wrong and to explain and celebrate what is so much better. Put this one on your must-watch list, ladies, if you haven't yet. And you can find it. It's on Amazon to rent or to buy. You could probably watch it on um on iTunes or get it through there. And I'll link to the direct site where you can buy the DVD from them too. Um, I'm trying to think what else that I wanted to say about that particularly. There was something else that came to my mind and I've totally lost it. See, because I didn't write it down and I lost it. Um, yeah, I can't think of it at the moment. Oh, you know what? I think it's a great movie because I'm pondering that. This is what my thought was for unbelievers. I watched it and I thought about um, passing it along to somebody that doesn't know the Lord that we've had conversations with. So just something else. As you watch it, you ponder and pray through that too. So I will be back on May 14th here at the podcast, and we're going to be talking about another favorite discipline that I'm looking forward to digging into, journaling. So have a very blessed week, my dear friends. Mm-hmm.